Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. The first scripture lesson for today comes from Acts chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior, that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from John, the 20th chapter, verses 19 to 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, And then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet they believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are the signs, so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I want to thank you all for being here this morning. I value your presence on this um, Associate Pastor Sunday, Cannonball Sunday, whatever you want to call it, where the crowds are far less than they were last week, but still substantial. So I give you a lot of credit, especially after a day like yesterday. 
Alex is off for the weekend, and TC is on retreat with our eighth graders. So I'm most thankful to Adam for stepping in as liturgist this morning. And I also want to say a great word of thanks to the deacons, uh, particularly the deacons' reception team. Yesterday we had two funerals here. The deacons' reception team worked hard throughout the day to provide support to those families. And then today is our 90th birthday celebration. We have four of our nonagenarians with us, and uh, Adam was gracious enough to lead Happy Birthday, and our deacon reception crew has been busy at work. I'm guessing there may be some extra cake afterwards, so feel free to help yourselves. Although this Sunday is typically one of the lowest attended Sundays in the church year, oh, and I did want to tell you, somebody asked me, why is it called the second Sunday after Easter? Because after all, Easter was only last week. And my response was, well, Easter is counted as the first Sunday. But actually, it's the second Sunday in Easter. The season of Easter on the liturgical calendar lasts for seven weeks until we come to Pentecost. So this is indeed the second Sunday, with last Sunday being the first. As one author put it, although this is a low Sunday, the message we have today is a message of high stakes. We are here, those of us that have chosen to come back, we're here because we want to hear more about this resurrection business. What really does it mean, and what does it mean for us? What does it mean to be people of the resurrection, to be people of post-resurrection, to be Easter people? We do know what happened next for the disciples. We have the account in John's Gospel today. They got scared. And why wouldn't they? They had watched their leader be betrayed, tried, and hanged like any criminal. Why wouldn't they be afraid? They were locked in a room together. The women were attending to the needs of the dead. They were going to the tomb to put ointment <clears throat> to anoint Jesus' body so it could have a proper burial, while the men were huddled in the room locked, afraid. They had followed Jesus and given up everything to do so. They had watched the healings, the feeding of thousands. They'd watched him walk on water, still the storm. They'd heard his teachings. And by this time, they were beyond any reasonable doubt that Jesus was the Messiah. He even entered Jerusalem, triumphant, like a king on a donkey. But then, in less than a week's time, the world turns upside down. Jesus is betrayed. He's arrested. He's hanged like a common criminal. Initially, those disciples scattered like roaches when the lights turned on. But now, now they've come back together. Maybe it is true that misery loves company or that there is safety in numbers. There are a lot of emotions in the room where they have gathered. There's grief, anger, confusion, but there is no doubt that the overwhelming emotion is fear. After all, both government and religious officials 
had turned on Jesus and hanged him like a common criminal, what would they do to his followers? In the midst of their mounting fear, Jesus comes and stands among them and says, Peace be with you. Just like that. The door is locked. We don't know how he gets in the room, but suddenly he is there in the room, standing in their midst and saying to them, Peace be with you, comforting them as he had quieted the storm. We don't know if this was truly a physical body resurrection. Did Jesus come back in a body that looks like yours or mine and walk through a door? We don't know if the disciples were having an anxiety-produced vision. We don't know if they are hallucinating from lack of sleep and overwhelming fear. We don't know if this is a spiritual awakening. What we know is that Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Think about that for a minute. That must have been a powerful moment. The man they thought was dead is now suddenly standing in their midst, offering peace. Oh my goodness. The kind of peace that came when he stilled the storm. The kind of peace that came with countless other times when they were together and afraid. It's there again. Peace. And suddenly they can all take a deep breath. With the greeting from Jesus, they are at least momentarily freed from the fear that was trapping the air inside of them. The fear that was holding them captive behind a locked door. And that's really what needed to happen next for the disciples. The disciples needed to be freed from their fear. Otherwise, otherwise, where would we be today? Because only when they are freed from their fear are they able to become credible witnesses as to what happened next. They needed the peace of Jesus to come to them so that they could be freed to carry on the ministry. Just because Jesus had been crucified didn't mean their ministry was finished. In fact, it was far from over. We are witnesses to that some 2,000 years later in sanctuaries that on Easter Day are packed with people that want to hear the hope and the promise of the resurrection. In order to hear that story, we have needed credible witnesses. And the disciples are our first credible witnesses. They could not afford to be silenced by human authority or by their fear. Their loyalty had to remain to the person and work of Jesus Christ. And guess what? The same is true for us. We cannot afford to be held captive by fear. Our loyalty belongs to the person and work. Of Jesus Christ. That's why the stakes are so high on this low Sunday. Those of us who have come back to hear about the resurrection appearances of Jesus to his disciples, we have come to hear what happened next to the disciples after Jesus' death. We have come to find out what is next for them, but even more importantly, what is next for us? How do we move on after Easter? 
What does it mean to be post-resurrection disciples? Have you ever read a book that was so good you hated to see it come to an end? You were so wrapped up with the characters and their lives that you just wanted the story to go on and on and on. You want to know about what happens to that main character 10 years, 20 years from now. Does he turn out to be the amazing lawyer he started to be? Does she get to have the baby she wanted to have? The book is over, but you can't stop thinking about the characters and the situations in that book. That's where we are today. The resurrection has happened, but we can't stop thinking about what happened. We can't stop trying to make sense of what happened. We can't stop wondering what it means for us. The story isn't over. We have credible witnesses that tell us they saw Jesus. They heard him call them by name. They felt the peace of Christ fill them. They felt his breath blow over them. They saw the wounds. He ate breakfast with them. Peter and another disciple saw an empty tomb. Mary Magdalene thought he was the gardener until he said her name. The disciples on the road to Emmaus thought he was a stranger until he sat and broke bread with them. All of these women and these men had a life-changing experience of Jesus, a powerful, transformative experience of Jesus after he was dead. They had an experience that was so life-changing, so overwhelming, that they knew they had to tell others about it, and those others were moved by their witness and so on and so on until today. The important question for those of us who come back to hear of the resurrection appearances about what happens after the tomb is empty, the important question for us is, do we have a credible witness? Can we be credible witnesses? We are asked, like those first disciples, to go out into the world, to leave the safety of our locked buildings, to risk our own lives, to pick up the cross and follow the risen Christ. We are asked to give our truthful and public testimony in our community, not inside these walls, but in the broader community, to the righteousness of God, to the love and grace and mercy of God. That is what we bear witness to. And we don't do this under our own power. Jesus breathed on them. He said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And having received new life through the Holy Spirit, Jesus then commissions his disciples. They are to be witnesses and extend the opportunity of new life to others. Because of his life-giving work, and the fact that he breathes the life-giving Holy Spirit into the disciples, they are empowered to go out into the world being credible witnesses to the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what we are to do. Now back to Thomas. Apparently he was a little late that day. 
I can relate to that. He missed the first appearance of Jesus, and when the disciples tried to tell Thomas that they had seen Jesus, Thomas says, nah, I'm not going to buy that. I want to see him for myself. I want to see the wounds. I want to hear the voice. I want to see him for myself. Thomas could not bring himself to believe that one that was so brutally murdered was now a living presence. Jesus returns a second time, just for Thomas. The same way, he suddenly stands among them, offers his peace, and then invites Thomas to turn from unbelieving to believing. He doesn't tell him to stop doubting. Because doubt is important to our growth in faith. So he doesn't say, oh, Thomas, stop being such a doubter. He says, Thomas, it is me. He offers Thomas his wounds to touch, and we don't even know whether Thomas touches them or not. It, John does not tell us. But what we do know is that when Jesus issues the invitation to Thomas... The invitation to Thomas to believe, Thomas says, my Lord, my God. Thomas plays an important role for each of us. Not because of his doubting, but because Jesus goes on to tell him that seeing to believe is not necessary. Blessed are those who will believe without seeing. And that's who we are. Through Thomas, Jesus gives the message that it is possible to believe without seeing. It's a message that echoes through the centuries and 2,000 years later. We are here in a Christian church built on the credible witness of some who experience the risen Lord and upon billions of people who believed without seeing. Billions of people who believe the credible witness of the gospel accounts. Billions of people who have been able to find the face of Jesus in their neighbor, in a homeless person, in their family member, in the drug addict, in the runaway, in the defiant. Billions of people who continue to be credible witnesses. And among those billions of people are people like Paul. Paul never knew Jesus. Paul was not a disciple of Jesus. Paul had a vision on the road to Damascus. And out of that vision, he came to believe. And he built countless churches throughout the region. He was a credible witness to the resurrected power of our Lord. There are people like the ancient church fathers who developed our doctrines and tried to institutionalize the church. They are credible witnesses to the Gospels. There are people like Martin Luther and John Calvin. There are people like Desmond Tutu and Nelson Mandela people like Martin Luther King Jr., and countless others that you can name, people like you 
and people like me. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit at our baptism. Did you remember that? In many ways, baptism is our ordination. In the Presbyterian Church, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. It's not just up to the pastors or the director of worship and music or the musicians to be credible witnesses to the risen Lord. It is on all of you who receive the Holy Spirit on your baptism day. The church is called to risk its own life for the work of mission. We are invited to take up the cross of Jesus and risk our own lives to be credible witnesses to the power of the resurrected Lord. As post-resurrection people, we believe that the resurrection is the beginning, the inauguration of God's new reign of justice and joy for the whole world. The rich really will be sent away empty, and the poor will be fed, and the oppressed will be lifted up. We believe that the resurrection is the beginning of all of that. And the good news is that human weakness and failure do not keep Christ from being present in power and in grace. The disciples were in a locked room because they were so afraid. They were virtually paralyzed by fear. But even their fear could not stop Jesus from standing among them. So the locked doors of that room were no match for the power of Christ. Jesus shows his disciples that their betrayal and abandonment of him did not get the last word, nor does our betrayal and abandonment ever have the last word. No sin is too great that we cannot be forgiven and start over. The resurrection tells us that story. Thomas's doubt does not get the last word. It is Jesus who gets the last word. Peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit and go into the whole world offering my love and forgiveness to all whom you meet. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit that makes it possible for the disciples to let go of their fear and be credible witnesses to the world. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit that makes it possible for us to let go of our fear and be credible witnesses. As Jesus invites Thomas to see his wounds, he is also reminding Thomas the other disciples, and all of us, that the wounds don't go away. We are wounded healers. The wounds remain, but in spite of the wounds and because of the wounds, we can still be credible witnesses to God's love and compassion. The new life of the risen Christ does not erase wounds, Instead, it is those very wounds and the ability to trust in spite of the hurt that makes our witness credible. We are Easter people. We are called, commanded, invited to be 
credible witnesses to the power of the resurrection in the life of Jesus, of that very first community, and of every community since then. We are invited to share our wounds, our worries, our fears, and in the midst of all that messiness, to name the power of love, redemption, healing, grace, and resurrection in our lives and in the life of the world. Yesterday was a miserable day for any of us that had to go out. And then, if, like me, you got home and turned on the news, you learned of yet another crime of hate, probably a crime of hate, in our country. A synagogue attacked, a rabbi shot, another practicing Jew killed. Friends, we cry out, make it stop. But we are the ones who provide the credible witness of love and power and justice and truth to make it stop. It is our job as Easter people to stand with the Jews and the Muslims and the Christians in Sri Lanka, to stand in every place where there is oppression and hate and speak in loud and credible terms about the love of God, a love so powerful it breaks the chains of fear and death, a love that can have victory in the world when there are enough credible voices talking about it. We are both commanded and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be credible witnesses. May it be so for you and for me. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.